Dear Lord, I thank you so much that it's, it's not me talking to us. It's you speaking through me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. When I was talking to the Lord about, okay, uh, if I'm going to do this, I only do this you know, a couple times a year, and I want, I want to make it something from Him, and since I only do it every once in a while, it's not like I can have a series, so it's just one thing. But I also, because of that, I have the opportunity to talk about some basic stuff. When I was first talking to the Lord about this, I remembered my very first time I, I got an opportunity to preach about almost two years ago. I don't know if you guys remember that. I, I spoke on uh, spirit, soul, and body, and I started with a monologue from Peter. And, I, and I'm, you know, I'm kind of a ham, so I, I can do that. That's like easier than preaching. And so I, oh, I can, you know, so I was thinking about what I could do is start off with a monologue and do this, and I was thinking of some areas, and it's like the spirit said, uh, Neil, it's not about you. But, oh, okay. And he led me to this just basic, basic truth that I've been going through, that I've been receiving peace through. And you all know what I'm going to talk about, but it is so important for us to go through it again. The title of my message is, Guilt and Condemnation Rob You of Your Victory. Guilt and condemnation rob you of your victory. When I, when I was starting to go down this path, I, well, that's kind of what I talked about last Wednesday. I, I preached the last healing meeting a week and a half ago, and the Lord really had me uh, kind of try to understand what is keeping us from our victory. Why aren't we seeing 100% of the people that come forward be healed? Why are there those of you out there that are going through times where it's like, God, what's going on? I mean, I've been out of work now for X amount of time. Or I've been believing for this. And what's, you know, there's this place that, and the way the Lord was talking to me about it back then was the fear and insecurity was keeping us from some truths. And then he further went on to say this, this fear and insecurity is because you're trying to live with grace and also with some old law hanging around. So that's what the message was last time. And, I, and this is really a continuation of that. I, you know, when you, since you don't, I don't get to preach very often, I kind of want to you know, do something. Oh, this is exciting. Ooh, what a neat word. But no, the Lord want. oh no, this is so important. Our people, you, me, were allowing guilt, condemnation to have a place, to just stay. Oh, we suppress it and we say all the right things and we, you know, we, you know, we're, we're a spirit-filled church, right? We believe in the power of God and, and so, you know, we, we just ignore it. But if it's there, something's wrong, and it holds us back from our victory. So we're going to talk about that. Now, this issue has plagued the church from the very beginning. So this is not like, uh, oh, well, you know, we all know this. This is, this is actually not that big a deal. It is a big deal. 
the very first, right off the, right out of the gates, most of Paul's letters, he was talking about this issue. Oh, you foolish Galatians, what has taken you from your, the first love? Or why, or, you know, why are you trying to go this other way? Over and over, Paul was reminding the people about what truly happened at the cross. So all I'm doing is, once again, I'm reminding you because this is so subtle, this attack of the enemy is so subtle that we could just be 100%, just, I mean, feeling like we're 100%, oh, I believe this and I'm this and victory, but we have this little part in us where we're insecure. It's this area of our past that has been passed down from generation after generation of religion that we've allowed to stay there, which makes us feel good when we're doing good and bad when we're doing bad. Makes us feel that we're never quite to that place of being 100% accepted by God because after all, look what I did last night. Or after all, you know, look what I was thinking the other day. This, this constant presence of guilt and condemnation is actually a deep, deep, deep root. Science, it's, it's scientifically proven that stress and fear release toxins in the body and other dangerous chemicals and bring sickness and disease, depression, I mean, that, we all know that. We've, we've, now we're in the modern age of science, and, and we understand that. Well, they also, psycho, uh, psychology knows that a deeper root, a deeper root than fear and stress is guilt and condemnation. If we have guilt, if we have stress and fear in our life, or insecurity and, and doubt, we have to realize that the root of that is actually guilt and condemnation. And we don't even know it. There'll be some of you in here that you think, well, he's not talking to me. Why don't you preach something I need to hear? Well, you may think. I mean, let's just pretend. I do a lot of counseling here at the church. Let's, let's just say we're entering into a counseling session. Come, come on in. I'm glad, I'm glad you're here. Come on in. Lie down on my couch. I don't have a couch, but lie down on my couch. Well, let's talk about this. Tell me. So you, you just you feel like God's not present. You feel, well, tell me, what do you mean? What do you mean when you feel like, well, God's not here? Or he's not, I don't think, and then we can talk a little bit more. And I might get out of you these words. And I might say, what? What did you say? And then you'll with shame, say, I think God's mad at me. There is this subtle lie of the enemy that wants you to feel God's mad at you. That you haven't measured up. You've been going to church every week. You've been reading your Bible, you know, occasionally. And and yet... You know the blackness in your heart, and you know that God knows the blackness in your heart, and you just assume that, that he's not accepting you. We have to talk about this, church. Guilt and condemnation are the root, is the root cause of stress and fear, insecurity and doubt. 
And we know what those do to our physical body. And we wonder why we have Christians walking around sick. And they don't have to be. We can live healthy, not even ever need a healing. We have so much that's been provided for us at the cross, yet we're, we're at this place of always wanting, like we're waiting for the shoe to drop, like to be exposed, or we're waiting for angel of the Lord to come and speak this truth into our life and, and, and all of a sudden our believer will be right. Well, those two, those two areas in our life are not truly where we're at. Because I have limited time, let's stop talking, let's go into the Word. Let's read, let's read about this. And, and It was so cool. I had these scriptures and we're going to go here and it was like... Uh, the Lord was talking to me this morning. I was having breakfast, and and I and he, you know, just like just go to this teaching for a second. And I, and I went and I, I got a really important truth, even this morning, that that just changed everything. We'll get there. It's so fun. All right, let's turn to Romans five, seventeen through nineteen. If you have your Bible with you, let's turn. We don't have as I know we don't have this as often with all the like Terry's pad over there. We don't get the ruffling of papers as often, but that's, that's, it's okay. As long as the word of God is being opened. So this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk slow because uh, Romans, you know, is Romans beautiful? To prepare for this sermon, the first thing I got was, read Romans. And so I read all of Romans, and it's like, oh my goodness. Sometimes we just read bits and pieces of Romans, and we, I mean, it's all there. The whole gospel message is there. It's basically the Bible in one. I mean, the whole word is all within Romans. And it's so encouraging, it's reminding these Gentile believers of what happened at the cross. It's big news. Everything that I'm talking about today is in Romans. And it's so important that Paul is using example as example so you would finally get it because it's not going to come natural. What comes natural for man is to be a perfectionist and the worst critic to themselves. And we open this door about this wide into our heart for the enemy to bring guilt and condemnation. That's what's natural. So we have to do what's natural in the spirit, and that is to believe God. And so the word, oh boy, this is such good truths that we need to just eat, eat spiritually. All right, so follow along with me. We're on the screen if you don't have your Bible. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one. So we're talking about Adam here. Oh, let me back up. Before we talk about Adam, let's talk a little bit about the situation that happened in the garden. And I, I don't have time to go here, so just, just take my word for it or just say, okay, I'll, I'll take your word for it for this application. When they were in the garden, they had the tree of life. God gave them everything. And the tree of life was just life with God and no... No uh, weirdness, no guilt condemnation, no performance. It was just life with God. But there's this one tree that had to be in the garden, had to be there, knowledge of good and evil, because there is good and evil, and there had to be there. But God said, no, don't partake of that. The, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represents the law, good and evil, right and wrong. The tree of life represents life with Christ, apart from the law. We have no condemnation. We have nothing to do with the law. We just live with Christ. So when they partook of the knowledge of good and evil, 
they chose the law in their way. I mean, there was a period of grace until Mount Sinai, but there was this part of the law for them. It was now about their performance. So when Jesus came back, he changed all that. That's what Paul's talking about here. So this is super important, so let's go slow. For if by the one man's offense, Adam, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's already good. Let's go to the next verse. Therefore, because this happened, therefore, as, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteousness or one man's obedience, Jesus, that righteous act The free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. So you can see that there is one man that caused us to be in this bondage to sin, but the one man, Jesus, his obedience, it brought us right back into the garden, being able to partake from the tree of life. No more condemnation. No more worry about sin. Yeah, but, yeah, but, okay, we're going to get there. Religion had to help, but it made it worse, obviously. Let's keep going. So we know it's a free gift. Nothing we had to do. Free gift given to us. So verse 19, he's continuing. So for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Will be made, not many will have the opportunity to righteous living. No, they'll be made righteous. So this is important. One man's obedience. So we're going to go on to the next chapter, but you have to realize that now it's done. Paul's, remember, people that got this letter read it all the way through from start to finish. So this subject is close. Ah, one man's obedience. We're now right with God. We're righteous, and we're enjoying the tree of life. So now he's saying the benefit of that. So let's turn to chapter 6. Starting in verse 9. So remember, we got that issue settled. So now, this, this, these sections are confusing if we take this on our own, if we take it on its own. But So now we're in context. So starting in verse 9. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, But the life he lives, he lives to God. Okay, you might say, okay, that's good for Jesus. What about us? Okay, that's next. Verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Reckoning doesn't mean, well, I reckon I might have it. No. No. There'll be a reckoning. No, there'll be a reckoning. When they use that term, is like, that's absolute. There'll be a reckoning. Well, so when we reckon ourselves, we know that this is true. That we, likewise, just like Jesus was now dead to sin, and sin had no more dominion, we also have that because of his obedience. Because he did it for us and gave it to us as a gift. We think... There's this deep, deep root, that stinking 
thinking of religion has stayed in your mind, not in your spirit man, but in your mind. Remember, our mind is being renewed day by day. Our spirit got resurrected from the dead. When we became born again, when we, this is it. It's not about a sinner's prayer. Born again is this. Jesus, I believed, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And my sins are now totally taken care of. And I am righteous before you. I believe that and I accept that. Thank you for doing that for me. When we accept that, like a gift, it would be if my daughter Stephanie handed me a gift, I'd just take it. If we take that as a gift and say, and it's mine now, we're saved. Because what happens is when we do that, it's imparted to us. It says that his spirit came into our spirit. We're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. His spirit came into our spirit, resurrected our spirit from the dead, and we became alive with Christ, joined together with him. That's why we, can, we all say this as Christianese. Oh, yeah, Christ lives within me. Well, that's how he lives within you. His spirit resurrected your spirit from the dead. Now, your spirit doesn't have this confusion. So the renewing of the mind helps us realize what we already have. So this renewing of the mind, this, this religious thinking that we want to get out of our mind, as in renewed, being gone, and new stuff put in, is this little tiny root of guilt and condemnation. Thinking that we have to measure up. Thinking that, oh, after all, look at all these goody-tissue Christians around me. I guess i got to act like them. No, no. <laughs> no, it's not about that. No, these are, if they got a smile on their face, it's because they get it. That it has nothing to do with what they did. It's just a free gift, like, wow, even this wretched man that I am, as Paul said, I, he saved even me. Without Christ, yeah, we're in sin. But what Jesus did, we now are righteous. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah but, well, that's what religion wanted to do. Religion has wanted to do a yeah, but. In fact, in Romans, there's a yeah, but. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But guess what? Religion added a second part that's in King James and New King James. For those who walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. That was not in the original text. Somewhere along the line, a copyist, they had two, two possible reasons, they said. A copyist took verse 4 and said, oh, this completes Paul's thought. I'm going to repeat that here also. Or a copyist took it upon himself to tone down the grace message because it's just too good to be true. He put some requirements on it. So I would recommend, you can use pencil so you're not, you know, doing the Word of God a disservice, but I would recommend... Romans 8, 1b, you cross it out with a pencil. There's no, there's no condition on no condemnation. That's really important. But that was religion. We, even way back when, oh, but the people, oh, but the people. Paul talks about it in Romans, talks about it in, in Corinthians. Yeah, but they'll just sin all the more. Well, no, the truth is, for a believer to truly be set free from sin, they have to own the fact that they're righteous in God's eyes, no matter what they do, even if they sin. Yeah, but, 
Yeah, but what about those scriptures of holiness? Well, uh, Corinthians talks about this. There's one place in Corinthians where it says that you receive the gift of righteousness and receive like the, of, of no condemnation. Then you're able to do works of righteousness. So if we don't understand that we're totally forgiven and we're righteous in God, we can't do the other. One comes from the other. Or an unbeliever. Try that on an unbeliever. See if they get excited. Well, let me tell you. Yeah, you're a Christian now. Here's the rules of do's and here's the rules of don'ts. I'll be like, phew, phew. They'll be leaving as fast as they can. But if you have a believer who comes up, he's a rough guy. He's been through a lot in life. And, oh boy, he'd be ashamed to tell you 10%. And he comes forward. And I put my arm around him, and I said, oh, I can tell there's a little angst there. Oh, no, let me tell you the real good news. Oh, if you go home, if you give in to temptation and sin, guess what? You're still righteous. It's like, huh? Yeah, you're still righteous. Jesus wants to do it for you. He's going to help you understand that now that you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, it's his spirit that's going to work within you. All you need to do right now is just meditate on what happened, that he made you righteous as a gift. That's your, that's your first step. That's all you need to concentrate on. Who cares what happens? It's literally what Jesus said. I remember your sin no more. It doesn't matter. Righteous living, that'll come later. Right now, you just understand what Jesus did for you. Now you see the difference? He's walking out of here saying, wow, I might be able to do this. So if we have an unbeliever that kind of like, wow, really, I might be able to do this. Well, how, much, how important it is for us, too, to realize that? We can't do this, this whole performance-based stuff. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall. And we're going to get into that in the next scripture. Or, or as we continue to read the same. So, I mean, we're still in Romans 6. So where were we? All right, so verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And then verse 13, And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present them to yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. Now, excuse me. It just so happened that I, I just, when I was eating breakfast, like, oh, okay, I'll just look up a little bit of teaching. And this particular teacher was on the scripture. It's like, whoa, okay. And here's what he said. In, that, in this, these two verses, the word, the root word for sin and the root word for righteous, as it's the tense of those words, cause it to be a noun. Both of them be nouns and not verbs. So this is what it was not saying. It was not saying, uh, therefore, do not let your body be continuing in the act of sin as instruments of unrighteousness. You know, rather, do acts of righteousness. It wasn't saying that. We take that out of context, and, and people will go to this scripture and says, Oh, yeah, I've got to stop sinning. It says right here, Paul said, Don't sin and, and, and present your bodies as an instrument of unrighteousness. No, rather, 
don't sin and go over here and do righteousness. No, these were nouns as in a place. What this is saying is, therefore, do not let yourself stay or put yourself in this prison of sin. Don't put this in your this prison of sin and thinking that now you have to perform. No, you don't have to be in this place called sin. Not an act, a place. No, you're set free from that. You're now in this prison of righteousness. So maybe we could say the freedom of righteousness. So you're in a place called the righteous. If we look at the scripture and we think of, a, of being a verb, oh, i got to stop sinning. No, you have to start believing that you are righteous. Yeah, but I just... You're righteous. Yeah, but I, 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 bumper sticker that that, that that elder had in his car in the last church I was at said, we're sinners saved by grace. No, no, we're the righteous saved by grace. We're righteous. We were a sinner. Unfortunately, there is this place that you can stay as a Christian. I'm a sinner. Boy, but I'm doing better than I was last year. Guilt, condemnation, waiting for a shoe to drop. I'm not receiving my healing. Man, I know I shouldn't have been angry at my secretary last week, you know. God's holding back because he's trying to teach me something. No, he wants you to understand. That's why he wanted me to bring this, this message to you. The, the, those of you, remember we're in our, my office and we're having this counseling session. And I'm not trying to bring guilt and condemnation on you by telling you that you are suffering from guilt and condemnation. <laughs> no, I just, I just want to, just like a, a guy in a desert who knows where the oasis is, no, it's not a, a mirage. I mean, it's not a, I guess, mirage. It's true. Yeah, see where the palm tree is? See where that water is right there? Let's, I want to I take you there. Let's go. That's all I'm trying to do. No guilt and condemnation. There is this place in Christ, just like our singing, total freedom, and knowing that God's on the throne and we are righteous in his eyes no matter what we do. That freedom causes us to not even want, us, want to sin. Causes us want to just live that life of love. Remember, you know, a good father, Joe is an excellent parent. I've seen Joe. Joe has unconditional love for his children. Do you think God doesn't have more love for us than Joe has, or that we have for our children? Of course, it's totally unconditional. We can see it in the earthly realm, but for some reason, because of that Religious, stinking thinking. We held, held ourselves to this high standard. Oh, this is what it is to be a Christian. And all we're doing is robbing us of the victory because we're saying, I can do this. And actually, that's what the children of Israel said. God was in their midst, fellowship, giving them bread. I mean, he was with them, the pillar of fire, the pillar, pillar of cloud. and He was with them. And he was talking about the love relationship. And they got to this certain point, and God was talking about wanting to be their God forever. And they said, whatever you command us to do, we can do it. And they chose the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, oh, so that's how you want our relationship to be. 
And so he stepped back. And from that moment on, God said, okay, now I'm on this mountain. And if you even come to the foot of the mountain and you have sin in your heart and you touch the foot of the mountain, you die. They chose that. Ever since then, people were in, in, in bondage to the law until Jesus came, and that's what Paul's talking about. It's been done away with. We now have direct access to the garden, and we can feed from the tree of life. I know this is maybe spiritual. It's like, I don't know what that means. Where's that tree? The tree is within us. Jesus said, I'll give you living water that will just flow from within you, and it will be never-ending. Because he dwells within us. Now, then we can start understanding these scriptures that say, I have the mind of Christ. I'm seated in the heavenlies with Christ. I'm joint heirs with Christ. All things are possible because Christ lives within me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. And Jesus is telling us that, oh, greater things will you do. If you just speak to this mountain, it'll be removed. Oh, you marvel at this fig tree. But I tell you, oh, if you, if you believe, you'll do greater things. So we're looking for something like a hidden treasure. Oh, the kingdom of God is like that pearl buried way, way deep. And we sell everything we have so we can buy that land, so we can give that, get that pearl. Christ is not telling us it's like that. Christ is telling us, I'm it. I'm it. And it's so important. This is what someone would do to get it, and I'm giving it to you. We have Christ. We have the kingdom within us. We are letting the enemy rob us with those little tiny compartments in our life that because of our religious heritage, we've allowed to stay. And I'm here to tell you, that's got to stop. My my whole message is not one of those three points, you're going to leave with three points. i got one point. Guilt and condemnation have no place in the believer. Zero. We're going we're gonna to go... Oh, good, I have five more minutes. Oh, so... I'm so happy. You can see I don't go by my notes. John, let's turn to John 16, 8 through 11. This is... We're going to go here, then one other scripture will be done, and it has some two real truths here that will speak so much better than I can speak. John 16, starting in verse 8. This is important, because this is what people come to when they say, oh, but one of the Holy Spirit's job is to convict of sin. And so when you sense that voice within you, saying, you dirty, rotten scoundrel, you just did this, that's the Holy Spirit within you, using your conscience to convict you of sin. Oh, no, it's not. That's a lie of the enemy. We'll talk about it. This is the scripture they use, so that's good. Let's go here. And this is Jesus talking himself. And when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Ooh, that's, ooh, let's go on. He's going to explain it now. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. So remember, he's talking about the world convicting of sin. Of sin, because the world does not believe in me. It's talking about three different people groups here. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you, remember he's talking to disciples, now it's believers, and you will see me no more. 
And, I, and the Holy Spirit's job is to remind you that you are the righteousness of Christ. And the ruler of this world will be judged. So number three is the devil, Holy Spirit's job, is to remind the devil that he's already defeated. Okay, all of a sudden, oh, now we read this in context. Whoa, that's good. There's no condemnation there. This, the Holy Spirit's job is to convict the, the world of sin. I don't even have to do it. I just got to go tell, bring him to the water. And then his job is to remind us that we're righteous in him with no works on our own. And he's constantly telling the enemy, you're defeated. You're a mouse. You're worth nothing on our behalf. That's good. That's good. We are made righteous by faith. Righteousness is not by right doing. It's not by what we can do. Righteousness by right standing in who we are, which means it comes from right believing in what the Word says about us. And we say, yep, that's me. And we're going we're gonna to end with a little prayer in a little bit that talks about that. And once we do that, remember, now it's spiritual. So we take that stance. Ah, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, no matter what I do. And I live my life to please the Father, because I love Him. Stress, gone. Fear, wow, mysteriously disappeared. Why? Because guilt and condemnation removed. We did not believe the lie of the enemy. So let's end with one more scripture where it's at in Hebrews. 10.22, and here's a little secret from the Word on how we can do this. Okay, you're hearing me say, don't allow guilt and condemnation to have a place in your life. It's not from the, it's not from the Father, it's not from the Spirit, it's from the enemy. Well, what about this thing our, that we call our conscience? Isn't that the Holy Spirit speaking to me through my conscience? Well, let's, let's see what the author of Hebrews says. Hebrews 10, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Why? Because we're having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. An evil conscience is that who is, when your conscience is totally conscious of sin, of falling short of deserved judgment. That's an evil conscience. We inherited that in Adam's fall. It kind of was passed down through us, through religion. So we, the sprinkling is the sprinkling of Jesus' blood. Okay, we don't even have to do the work here. The sprinkling of Jesus' blood has relieved us of this evil conscience and he has made our conscience pure. Then, now let's go back to the first part of that. Then that allows us to draw near to God with a true heart full of assurance of faith. Part of our issues when we are struggling in our faith is we're not drawn near to God. We're waiting until we're a little more faithful. We're thinking, well, no, I'm a Christian. I have God with me. Let's just go. But all along we know, man, I'm not doing very well. Well, why isn't God working it out? Oh, boy, God is so mysterious. 
oh, the path before me has just been full of rocks and thorns and pitfalls. Oh, God is mysterious. But I have it with me, and I'm walking with God. No. Rest. You'll get to that place of being led by the Spirit when you rest in who He is. Like in Hebrews, if you're going to struggle about anything, struggle to enter my rest. What I'm talking about today is rest. Rest in that assurance that you are all right. God's not mad at you. You're a believer. You're born again, which means you can rest in God and receive His power, nothing of your own works. He wants to work in and through you. All these scriptures make more sense when we understand that it's a finished work. When Jesus was going on that road in the the movie The Passion and he fell down and his mother ran to him, he had this big smile on his face. It was such a beautiful moment. He had this big smile on his face. His mom is crying. He has this big smile on his face. And he was so excited. He goes, Behold, all things are new. All things are new. He was thinking of you. He was thinking of you when he was thinking about, Oh man, when this is done... All things are going to be new. All my children will have no guilt and condemnation. They're not going to have to earn their way to God. I've taken care of it right here. He was so full of joy in these moments of pain because he knew what it was going to do for you. As we enter this time of worship, the service is not over. As you know, now we enter our second half of worship. As we enter this time of worship, have this heart of gratitude for what Jesus did on the cross that just brings you a total peace, no condemnation, no waiting for a shoe to drop, no thinking, oh, one of these days I'll be a faithful Christian. Just receive his washing while we worship. So let's all stand and worship our Lord right now.